Hello and welcome. You've tuned into Active Listening with T4 Tactics. I'm Marco Galbraith, your host, and our podcast is all about personal success and networking. We'll discuss small business tips, health and wellness issues, personal safety tips, financial gain, and a variety of other topics from professionals in the field. And once in a while, we'll throw in our area of expertise, firearm safety and active shooter response for businesses, churches, and schools. So sit back, relax, listen, and learn. Active listening with T4 Tactics. Good morning, everyone. And I say good morning because at 4.48 this morning, my dog decided to get uh, us up. The coyotes, we live out in the sticks, and the coyotes were uh, were very, very active. So uh, that was this morning or uh, just before 5, and now it's it's uh, 5.57. I decided to, ride, to drive out to my office, got a firearm safety class starting at 9, so I thought I'd come out here and do this podcast that I've been wanting to do for a while. I did this podcast on a video and put it on my YouTube channel, which is, uh, it's the Marco Galbraith YouTube channel. It's M-A-R-K-O-G-A-L-B-R-E-A-T-H. It's also on uh, my T4 Tactics Facebook page, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, and Twitter. But I thought I'd do it on a podcast just to give people a different avenue to listen to it uh, in case they don't follow me on social media. But if you do follow me, please subscribe to this podcast channel. There's going to be more coming. I'm getting ready to do a podcast in a few days with a couple of experts uh, from military and the federal law enforcement side about how to prepare for uh, the aftermath of this election. We really feel, uh, if you look at national threat assessment, you you follow the scholarly information, not what the media is putting out there. But if you follow follow scholarly information, you're going to clearly see that we're going to be upside down after this election, regardless of who wins. So it won't be a political post. It'll be uh, simply facts. What you need to do to prepare your family, your workplace, your school, your your um, your university, college, uh, personal life, on what could possibly be some uh, chaotic times. So this is. Um, I recently had the opportunity to attend a briefing from the U.S. Secret Service um, through the National Threat Assessment Center regarding statistics from active shooter attacks in 2019. So I just wanted to take a, about 10, 15, well, it's about 12 minutes um, to share some of that information with you to provide a better understanding of what may fuel such unthinkable incidents. The Secret Service examined 34 incidents of mass attacks in which three or more people, not including the attackers, were harmed. There were 37 attackers in public spaces across the United States between January 2019 and December 2019. In total, 286 people were injured and 108 people, 108 people were killed. The attacks occurred on every day of the week during every month of the year. Two-thirds of the attacks took place during the day and early evening between the hours of 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. As in many active shooter attacks, the attacks were short in duration. Most of the attackers uh, used firearms and many of those firearms were possessed illegally at the time of the attack. Possessed illegally. Many attackers had experienced unemployment, substance use or abuse, mental health symptoms, or recent stressful events. The attackers often had a history of prior criminal charges of domestic violence. Many of the attackers had exhibited behavior that elicited concerns in family members, friends, neighbors, classmates, co-workers, and others. As in many cases, those individuals feared for the safety of themselves or others. 
This is why every facility absolutely must have a properly trained working threat assessment team combined with a risk management approach. Out of the 37 attackers, 24 used firearms, 6 used a bladed weapon, 4 used a vehicle, 3 used a blunt object such as a baseball bat, one guy went and got a, a piece of scrap metal and started killing people, and then one guy got a glass bottle and broke it and started killing people. Of the 34 attacks, um, well, 34 occurred in 21 states. Of these, 59% took place at public spaces that are freely accessible to the general population. These were sidewalks, restaurants, retail stores, and a gas station. The remaining 41% took place in semi-public sites, as in workplaces, schools, churches, military bases. The type of locations most frequently impacted were places of business or service. Listen to that. Places of business or service. The remaining locations included three educational institutions. There was a high school, a K-12 public charter school, a university, two churches, two residential complexes, and one commercial bus. Uh, a more detailed example of attack locations uh, in that year, 2019, was six service sites, including an automobile service center, property management company, plasma center, plumbing company, uh, there was a cemetery and a bank. There were four retail sites, a super center, which was the Walmart in El Paso we know about, beer and wine store, gas station, small, small supermarket, three bar or restaurants type settings, one manufacturing facility, and then of course the municipal building um, close to where I live in, in Virginia Beach. So you can see active shooters don't discriminate. They attack a variety of locations. One attack in 2019 targeted a bar district and lasted only 32 seconds, but resulted in nine individuals being killed and 20 more injured. So think about that. 32 seconds and this guy killed nine people and injured 20 more. This is why it's absolutely critical that we get people trained with a planned practice response. There's no time to freeze, edit things out, become submissive, or hesitate in your reaction. Most of the attacks averaged a time frame of about 15 minutes. However, the longest attack was December 10th and lasted about, well, lasted three hours and 26 minutes. In 75% of the incidents, the attackers directed harm at random persons. 44% of the attackers left the scene on their own. Four of them actually called 911 to report their attack and identify themselves as the perpetrator. Remember in our active shooter presentations, we spend some time talking about predatory violence. Uh, many of these attackers are proud of what they've done and are very pleased to claim full responsibility. Eighty of the attacks were brought to an end by law enforcement intervening um, at the scene. Five of these incidents, the attackers were killed by law enforcement. The remaining attacks ended when the attacker's weapon became inoperable. The motivation for these attacks often were multidimensional. Most attacks in 2019 were directly related to grievances mental health symptoms, and ideological or racial bias. Nine of the attackers were influenced by or showed interest in past perpetrators of mass violence. This is why, remember, listen to this, this is why we must be aware of the copycat period, pre-attack indicators and the complex developmental stages of an active shooter. We've got to understand them just like they understand us. Predatory violence, that's, that's paramount to this. It's very important to understand that. Many of the attackers put out on social media posts, told friends or documented their intentions. At least six attackers made statements or engaged in prior behaviors that indicated they did not intend to survive their attack. 
Among those attackers, four committed suicide after engaging in the attack. Now, the ages vary of the attackers. For instance, on November 14, 2019, a 16-year-old male on his birthday opened fire at his high school, killing several people. On October 3rd, 2019, an 80-year-old resident walked into his senior living facility complex and opened fire um, on the people in there. Seven of the attackers experienced or were about to experience a job loss prior to their attacks. Four of the unemployed attackers experienced a job loss within a year prior to the attack. Some were terminated, others quit. 46% of the attackers had a history of illicit drug use. So we saw cocaine, methamphetamine, LSD, ecstasy. Some were plagued with prescription medication abuse. For example, there were Xanax, Adderall. 41% of the attackers abused these narcotics to the point where it caused negative effects in their personal life. 51% of the attackers had a criminal history, and there were charges ranging from minor traffic violations, nonviolent to violent arrest. Some of the attackers had extensive criminal histories before they reached the age of 30. Nearly half of the attackers had a history of violence towards others, but only a few of them faced criminal charges for the behavior. 13 attackers had domestic violence within their history, some unreported by their victims. The most common symptom of mental health issues experienced by the attackers were psychotic symptoms, including hallucinations, uh, paranoia, delusions. The next most common symptom was depression. Five attackers had a history of suicidal thoughts. A hallucination or sensory perception to them seems real but occurred without any external stimulation. The most common type of that is auditory as in hearing voices. Um, next is paranoia or feeling of persuasive distress and suspicion that one is being harmed, deceived, persecuted, bullied, or exploited by others, maybe picked on by their bosses or HR. This has been very common in other attacks we've seen throughout the country. Remember, many attackers feel they're being or have been victimized in some form. So what they're doing is actually payback. Most of these attackers are not nutcases, so to speak. They don't see spiders on the wall that are telling them to go kill people. Uh, they feel like they've been done wrong. And quite honestly, a lot of them are very brilliant and they plan out their attack uh, very, very, very carefully. Delusions are false beliefs that are firmly maintained despite evidence to the contrary. A quarter of the attackers experienced symptoms of depression prior to the attack. So symptoms of depression might include insomnia, changes in appetite, feeling of sadness, difficulty concentrating, thoughts of suicide. Some of the attackers suffered from fixations. 19% had fixations as in an intense obsession or preoccupation with a person, activity, or belief to the point that it negatively impacted aspects of their lives. 87% of the attackers had at least one significant stressor occur within the five years leading up to the attack. It could have been a family member or romantic relationship issue, social interactions such as being bullied or ending a relationship with a friend, work, or school issues. Maybe a recent contact with law enforcement and personal issues such as being evicted, being homeless, struggles with sexuality, being assaulted, or physical uh, injury. 
54% had a history of financial instability within five years of the attack. Indicators for this may include an inability to sustain employment, loss of income, and being uh, evicted unexpectedly. Many of the attackers had a history of negative home life factors. 24% of them included some form of adverse childhood experience, such as the untimely death of a parent, physical or sexual abuse. 10 of the 37 attackers had experienced a triggering event prior to the attack. This included having their rent increased unexpectedly, being evicted without notice, being kicked out of a business, or being fired from a job. Now let me elaborate on the attack of the guy that was kicked out of a business. He was acting inappropriately, and so the manager asked him to leave, and he did. A short time later, he came back to the business and started killing people. Do you understand that? It could be something as simple as that. There's no pre-indicators. There's nothing. There were no threats in that. He just left like he was asked to do, but he felt like he was done wrong by being asked to leave. So he came back and fixed things uh, according to how he thought they should be fixed. There's a big. There's a big misconception with these shooters between reality and fantasy. This is why you must, again, I say this again and again, this is why you must have a planned practice response to an attack. 65% engaged in prior threatening or concerning communications. 57% made some type of communication in the form of written, visual, verbal, or online statements that was not an obvious threat but was ignored by others. Interesting story. I did uh, active shooter training about five years ago for a, uh, a large construction company uh, in the Midwest. And they fired a guy for a massive OSHA violation, just a blatant OSHA violation. So they let him go. The, within a few hours of being terminated, he put on his social media, if I walked into my job site uh, trailer, where they have the uh, construction trailer, if I walked into my job site trailer uh, with a rifle, and six of my previous bosses were in there, how many are alive when I walk out? So that was his riddle. So we had set up a threat assessment team for them when I did the training. Their threat assessment team caught this and some other concerning factors. Uh, and make a long story short, he was shut down. He's in prison now because he did a lot of other things. But that's why we have a threat assessment team because there was an avenue to find his threats and uh, call law enforcement and shut him down. 41% exhibited changes in behavior that were noticed by others, including new or increased substance abuse, feelings of depression, isolating from family and friends, engaging in self-harm, or quitting a job or withdrawing from school. 30% of the attackers self-identified or were described by others as withdrawn, loners, or antisocial. Now, I know many of you are out there listening to these behavior changes and descriptions and thinking, I know someone like that. So-and-so fits the mold. That's so-and-so. That's so-and-so. So-and-so. Maybe you do. Maybe there is. But a behavior change does not necessarily indicate someone's planning a mass attack or on a pathway to violence. It does, though, provide a window of opportunity to engage with that individual, gather insight into why the behavior change occurred, and identify appropriate responses. Just because someone has changed their habits or lifestyles, as I've mentioned, doesn't necessarily mean they're on a path towards violence. The takeaway of this podcast and why I did this was I want managers, employees, HR professionals, church leaders, and more to be aware of what the majority of the attackers had significant stressors within five years and over half had financial st instability. So reviewing, most of the attackers had prior threatening 
or concerning communication. About half had a history of drug abuse, criminal charges, and violence towards others. Just under half the attackers had threatened someone in the past and had an unusual home life at the time and exhibited changes in behavior. Some attackers were unemployed, considered isolated, withdrawn, loners, had experienced a triggering event or subscribed to ideological or hateful beliefs and had an adverse childhood experience. In order to avoid future attacks, this information must, absolutely must be properly disseminated and understood. A large portion of previous attacks in this country could have been avoided with proper threat assessment and team training, risk management, Open communication and teamwork at every facility is paramount. Open communication is paramount. Very, very important. Special thanks to the professionals at the National Threat Assessment Center for the research and the publication of the Mass Attacks in Public Spaces 2019. They put a lot of work into this. Thanks again to the Secret Service and Department of Homeland Security for making this information available. Stay safe, everyone. Reduce injuries and save lives with proper training and scholarly information. Remember, subscribe to my YouTube channel. We're going to be doing a video on um, some uh, different training aspects coming up with this election, how to prepare yourself. Uh, I hope to see you soon. Please subscribe to this um, active listening uh, anchor channel for more to come. Be safe, everyone. Take care.